Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Tim. It's so good to see you all. I'm so grateful to be back. And uh, I just want to say um, a big shout out to you all. I don't know if you realize, but um, I have not preached live from this platform in 10 weeks. 10 ho. Some of y'all know. Okay, it's all good. But, but, but I just want to say um, uh, to all the first-time visitors in the room, some of you all uh, that are first-time visitors or have, have come in the last six, seven weeks and have joined Embassy City, I haven't even been here. And if you're a first-time visitor, uh, uh, you may love this church and want to come back. You may walk away and be like, I'm never coming back to that church again. But here's what you're not going to be able to say. What you're not going to be able to say is that this is a personality-driven church. Because y'all have kept that same energy for the last 10 weeks. So y'all need to give it up for yourselves because, listen, y'all are into this church. You know what I'm saying? And I love it. And I won't go a step further in doing what my assignment is today. And we we give a huge thank you to Tim Rivers. No, y'all need to give it up better than that. Tim Rivers held down Embassy City Church for five weeks in a row, and your boy handled his assignment. Here's here's what I love about Tim. I've been mentoring him for about four years, and here's what I love about him. He didn't come in here and try to just, you know, reach in a bag of his greatest hits and pull out, you know, five sermons that would impress. Uh, This dude literally tapped into what the spirit of this house is, decided to have a series called Upset the Church and then had the nerve to preach the whole thing from the book of Revelation? And I mean, every week, he encouraged us, he corrected us, he taught us. He wasn't a guest speaker for five weeks. He was a pastor for five weeks. So, Tim, Janice, if you're watching, come on, let's give it up again. We love you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Because of you and because of you all being so gracious, um, I just got to hang with my family. I'll be very honest. I did not think about y'all. I did not think about y'all. I did not. I went to an island with my wife and my family, and my wife put on a really good bathing suit. It was good. It was a good one. And I just decided, since Jesus loves his bride, I'm going to love mine, like real. I'm going to really love my bride right now. So I heard of a church called Embassy City. But the way Juliet was looking out, (laughs) uh, I was all about her. So anyway, grateful to be back. Uh, And we're starting a new series. Uh, uh, I... I, um, I listened to every uh, one of uh, Tim's messages, and the last message that he preached, as I was listening to it, um, every time he read to he that overcame, something just started like, every time to to the one who overcomes, to he that overcame, I just kept going, "Mm, that feels, mm, that feels good. So as I started praying about it, I started thinking about what it is for Jesus to have overcome and what that means for us as his disciples to overcome. 
and to continue to be overcomers. Uh, and as a result, uh, this series called Winning Season was birthed. And that's what I want to talk about because I, that's what I think we're stepping into. We're stepping into a winning season. And uh, I, I want y'all to, I believe this, this, mes- this message and these messages is going to mark your life uh, in a way that allows you to see any season that you go through uh, as a winning season. Now, um, when I say winning season, I mean just that. You're going you're gonna to see yourself winning in every season, but that doesn't mean you're not going to take an L. So this won't be no fluffy, superficial series that, that, that talks about all this good stuff and, and, doesn't out, and doesn't weigh it and counterbalance it with some trials and tribulations that you go through. But I think what you'll find is that when you look in the, the, the column of wins and losses, that you have more wins than you have losses, right? If a team, uh, if a football team is nine and seven, they actually consider that a winning season. If a basketball team goes 42 and 40, they consider that a winning season. If a, a baseball team wins 75 games out of 162, they will call that a winning season. Why? Because nobody's thinking about the L's. They're just thinking about the victories. And I want to calibrate us as believers to understand that even when it looks like you're losing, you're winning. (laughs) So uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, I want you to go to uh, one place and then another. I want to take you first to the book of Revelation, chapter number 12. See how we're keeping that same energy? Revelation chapter number 12, I want to read you one verse, and then we're going to go to uh, Exodus 12. It just dawned on me, it was Revelation 12 and Exodus 12. What a coinkydink. Revelation chapter number 12, here's what it says. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. For all my King James people, we overcome. I heard Sarah all the way in the back (laughs) behind that wall. Come on. (laughs) Sarah is like the greatest cheerleader ever. And they have have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Now, before we read Exodus chapter number 12, uh, uh, we got to make some declarations. I want to seal in every one of these messages with declarations that we hold on to. So if every, whoever has like a real good paper Bible, hold it up. Hold it up. I want to see how many paper Bibles we got. Oh, yes. More than 20. Let's go. Let's go. Now, if it's a heavy Bible, that's your fault. Keep it up. I didn't tell you to put it down. I got that good old study Bible. It's, a, it's four and a half pounds. Keep it up. If your shoulder cap's already burning, you're just out of shape. Just deal with it. Okay. Now, for all my digital Bibles, put them up. Yes, let's go, digital. Let's go. Real high, real high, real high. Now, I don't want to leave nobody out. If you don't have a paper Bible or a digital Bible, no matter, you still have a hand. Raise it up. (laughs) Real high, real high, real high, especially if you have on good deodorant. You you should raise it real high. If you had to work overnight and you didn't get a shower before you came here, halfway. You go halfway. (laughs) Don't offend nobody on your row, okay? If not, bow, put it way up high, okay? Especially if you shave your armpits, put it real high. 
There's your hygiene tip for the day. <laughs> Repeat after me. Today, today. louder. Today, today. The, Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is going to speak to me about winning. About winning. Mm-hmm. After today, I will know and fully understand that no matter what season I'm in, I win. And after today, the enemy will never, ever, ever be able to convince me that I'm losing because I'm winning. All right, let's go. Let's go. Exodus chapter number 12. Exodus chapter number 12. I'm going to read 14 verses in your hearing, and I'm going to give you the title, and we're going to go. Is that all right? Here's what it says. Exodus chapter number 12, verse number 1. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron from now on. This month will be the first month of the year for you. Announced to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat as a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat with no defects. Take special care of the chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. That same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, and internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten before morning. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed. Wear your sandals and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a festival, a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. That's good. If you're taking notes on this message, one word, write it down. I'll explain it later. Scoreboard! That's the title of the message. Scoreboard. Bow your heads, let's pray. Holy Spirit, show us the score. Amen. Amen. Book of Revelations, chapter number 12. Uh, 
is the recap of really all human history and the war that takes place in the spiritual realm. God and the army angels fighting against created beings that are fallen, disconnected from God, demonic angels. And Revelation chapter number 12, verse number 11, is a verse that we are all familiar with in church. But the context is actually intriguing because as John is writing this and describing the war that has been waged in the spiritual realm, he says that the way that they won the war in the spiritual realm, angels fighting demonic forces, John says that they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And this is very, very intriguing because he was not talking about human beings. He was talking about angelic beings fighting in the heavenly realms and the way they got their victory is the same way we get ours. No wonder why the writer of the psalm said, who is man and what is man that you are mindful of him? For you have made him just a little bit lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. The angelic beings and the human beings have one thing in common. They overcome the same way. They get victory the same exact way. By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That should make at least 50 people in the room happy. About 2,000 people watching online happy. Because that means that you don't need a doctorate in divinity. You don't need a master's in theology. You don't need a Bible certificate to be a winner, to be an overcomer. You need two things. Jesus' blood and your own testimony. Whew, that makes me so happy. I can give him praise for at least 30 seconds right there. Because that means that I don't have to listen to your testimony. I don't have to have been through what you've been through. I don't have to have come for you where, from where you've come from. I don't, not, I, don't, I, I don't need to have been born into a family of, of, of generations of preachers or people that have been in the faith. I can be a first generation believer in Jesus Christ. And here's what puts us on the same playing field. We all need his blood. And we all have our testimony, which means people that came from the right side of the tracks are no different than people that came from the wrong side of the tracks. People that were born into wealth have nothing different than people that were born into poverty. The great equalizer that brings us all into this room on this day, white and black and Hispanic and Asian and, and, and Croatian and 11% Russian and whatever 23andMe told you you were. It's not that we have the same story, it's that we have the same God. It's not that we came from the same experience, it's that we share the same blood. 
Not the blood of our ancestors or anything that we can trace in our DNA, but the blood of one person that was bold enough that before you knew to ask for it, he decided to shed his blood so that we could all have this one thing in common. He is the one that seated us in heavenly places with him. And we are his because of the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. This was so intriguing to me, and because I'm, 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 I, I, I'm an investigator by nature, that's what I went to school for and studied, uh, because I wanted to be a homicide detective, there, I'm always investigating. I need to know the epicenter. I need to know the origin story. And I started looking at Revelation chapter number 12, and every time I read that we overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, the only thing I could think about was Exodus chapter number 12. And I, and I went, is, is, this, is this connected? And so, and so I was studying it, and I was looking at it, and, and, and I was unsure, uh, 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 and so I called two of my uh, Messianic rabbi friends, and I was like, you know, because I'm a Gentile and things, uh, you know, maybe them good old Messianic rabbis that, that, that have all of this in context could, could, could let me know if I'm crazy or not, and so I text both of them at the same time, group text. Hey, man, here's what I need to know. Is Exodus 12 the literal first expression of Revelation 12? And they were like, it absolutely is. I said, look at that. <laughs> that good old Holy Ghost that fell on them Jews in Acts chapter number 2. It's still falling on them Gentiles after Acts chapter number 10. I said, I'm going to preach this thing. And so we go back to see the context of how this came to be. For 430 years, the children of Israel had been in bondage. What started off as a really good thing when Joseph went down to Egypt for him and his family turned out to be a very, very bad thing. The end of Genesis, everything is blissful for the Hebrew people that are in Egypt. But Exodus chapter number one tells us very, very quickly, there arose a Pharaoh that knew not the God of Joseph. And isn't it just like that in the lives that we live right now, that, that we can be in a good season and it can turn into a bad season. And it's not that you stepped into uh, 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 the wrong relationship. It's not that you stepped into the wrong job. It's not that you moved to the wrong city. It's just that circumstances in that environment changed. And when it changed, trouble came. The new Pharaoh saw how the children of Israel were favored by God. And he said, if we don't do something to suppress them, they will literally take us over. So instead of being free people in this land, they were now enslaved people, brought into bondage, far removed from the favor that Joseph had as the second in command over all of Egypt. But scripture says the more that the Pharaoh and Egypt afflicted these people, the stronger they grew. There's something to be said about persecution. There's something to be said about going through a test and some trouble that lets you know who you really are on the inside. I was in Sweden with my, uh, uh, with my friend Joachim for five days. And he was talking to an American person, not me. And uh, he was talking to an American person, and he was seeing the, the revival that's going on in Sweden and, and, and how God is, is, is moving amongst people, young people and old people alike in Sweden. And the American person asked him, he said, how do we get that move of God 
in America. And he was not ready for Joachim's answer. And this is why I love Joachim so much. He's just, a, he, he about that life. He had a one-word answer for your boy. He kept a straight face. He didn't move, didn't blink. He said, how do we get that revival in America? We want to see a move of God in America. I want to see chains break in America. Come on, Lord, do it. How do we get it, Joachim? Joachim looked at him and said, persecution. Homeboy wasn't ready for that answer. He was not ready for that smoke. He did not understand that every great revival is birthed after somebody goes through some pressure and some pain. I hope I can talk to at least 100 people in the room and let you know that if you're not ready to go through some trials and tribulations, you're not ready for a real winning season. If you think you're about to step into the promises of God and hell is going to stand by and just usher you in to your next breakthrough, you got another thing coming. It's going to be by trial, tribulation, some tears, some fears, some rejection, some persecution, some setbacks, some distractions, some haters, and you still going to get to where God told you to be, not because the trouble didn't come, but because you were brave enough to face it. The more that they were afflicted, the stronger they became. Them women was having babies in bondage, popping them out like it was nothing. Go make brick with no straw. Got you, fam. <sighs> Went home. <clears throat> Popped that baby out. I know babies don't come out like that. <laughs> I don't want no ladies coming after me after. It was 17 hours, family. It was not. It was. Ah! I know it. I know it. I'm just playing. Just trying to get you to see. When it's the right pressure, something good can come out. Oh, I got to take my time with this. Ooh, anybody got a pressure cooker? Under the right pressure, you can get something delicious. Under the right pressure, you can get something nutritious. Under the right pressure, you can get something that is actually valuable. Ask some coal what happens to it under the right pressure. Diamonds come out of it. Ask oysters what happens, pearls what happens when it's under the right pressure. Beauty comes out of it. Value comes out of it. Nothing is worth more than something you pay full price for. You cherish it better. When you get a discount on something, you feel good. But when you pay full price, you walk out of somewhere and you got it on the discount, you're like, ha, 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 ha. When you pay full price, you're like, hmm. We bought that house, and uh, first mortgage note came. And it said that uh, we won't be done paying for this house until 2052. <laughs> Buckle up. They were under pressure, but God was with them. And not after a couple of weeks, not after a couple of months, not after four years, 430 years go by. And God says, I've heard their cry. They had not just started crying out that year. They had been crying out. 
But God knew when the time was going to be right for the deliverance to be significant. So he says to Moses and Aaron, he said, here's what I want you to do. I know you've been in bondage for 435 years, but I'm about to bring you out of bondage. And I have a very, very simple strategy to change the entire trajectory of the life of Israel. Don't worry, the strategy that I have in place, it's going to work for everybody. Which means if you're too old and don't have a lot of strength, don't worry about it, I got you. If you're too young and you don't have enough strength, don't worry about it, I got you. If you're smart, don't worry about it, I got you. If you're not that smart, don't worry about it, I got you. Here's what I want you to do. I, I, I want you to first tell them that starting from today, it's a new year for them. Rip up the calendar that you've been working on. Because what I'm about to do in your life is going to be so monumental that even if it's April the 27th, it's January again. I'm about to move in your life in such a way that when I do what I do, you're not just going to praise me and give me glory. It's going to literally reset your entire life. So if it was November 27th, throw that away. It's January 1st for you today. The day I'm telling you, that's when you change the calendar. Get this, not when I do it. The day I tell you what I'm going to do, change the calendar. That takes some faith. He hasn't even done anything yet. But the fact that he told you he was going to do it, change your calendar. Ten days after this new year for you, go get a sheep or a goat. I don't care which one. Just make sure it's a male that is one year old and that it has no spots, no blemishes, and no defects. On the tenth day of this new year, bring it into your house. But don't get attached to it. I would advise you strongly not to tell your kids it's a pet. You're not going to have it that long. So don't call it Sparky. Don't call it Goaty. Don't name that lamb Mary. Just bring it in the house. Make sure nothing happens to it. Four days later, I want you to take that sheep or goat and I want you to slaughter it. I want you to drain the blood into a basin and with some leaves or branches, whatever you can get, I want you to stir that blood up, walk out of the door of your house, and just put some blood on the doorpost. What do we do after that? Just walk back in the house. But I thought you said you were going to free us from bondage. I am. Let's go back in the house. What do you want us to do once we get in the house? I want you to get dressed. Put on your clothes, put on your shoes, 
get a walking stick, and be ready to go. How are we going to know when to leave? Shut up. Just do as I say. Now, now do you understand, when, 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 we, when we read scripture, we have the benefit of hindsight. Many of us have heard this story before. Some of us has watched the, uh, uh, the animated movie, Prince of Egypt. And so you're like, oh, this sounds vaguely familiar. But I want you to consider it as a first person hearer of these instructions. This sounds ridiculous. You want us to take a lamb, drain the blood, go outside my house. Imagine this 2022. Your apartment, your house. You already own two dogs and a cat, and your neighbors see you coming in with a goat. You have given your neighbor no context to no goat. You live on a zero lot, ain't enough grass to support this goat. And here you are with this sheep or this goat walking into your house, introducing it to the family. Hey, we got a goat. What we got a goat for? Well, God told us to get a goat and to hold it here four days. And after four days, we're going to kill it and we're going to eat it. The whole family, oh God, mm, that's not, mm-mm, mm. Daddy, we just do Chipotle. I don't know anything about goats. I don't know, I don't know about you, but I'd rather have Anamias. I don't want to eat goat. Didn't God say Chick-fil-A? Why goat? Why sheep? So they're putting blood on the doorpost by faith. We don't even know if this is going to work. And isn't it amazing that that's usually how God tells you to do stuff? When it sounds ridiculous and when you don't know if it's going to work or not. They put them in there. They put the blood on there and they went back inside and got dressed and they ate this meal standing up. Some bitter herbs in this salad and they roasted the whole lamb. Scripture says that, that, that if the family was too small to be able to consume a whole lamb, they had to go to their next door neighbor's house and eat with them. They had to eat the whole lamb, not just nibble on it, not just have the parts they like. The whole lamb had to be consumed and whatever wasn't eaten had to be burned up. May I suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, that you cannot just nibble off the Jesus that you like. If you're going to bring them into your house and have them in your life, you're going to have to eat the whole lamb. You can't just have them as lamb. You're going to need them as lion. You can't just have them as savior. You're going to have to accept them as Lord. You can't just take the blessings without taking the rebukes and the commandments. If you're going to keep Jesus in your life, you better be able to take the whole lamb. I don't, I don't like that part of Jesus. Oh, I like lamb chops. But the eyeballs. Oh, I can't even, oh, I can't even say it without my eyes watering. The eye, ah, ah. All of him must be consumed. 
because all of him was consumed. They sitting in there eating, standing up. How are we going to know when it's time to leave? Is the alarm going to go off? Is there some trumpets that's going to sound? And while they're in there, fully dressed, sandals on, walking stick, blood still slowly trickling down. The pieces of wood now stained in the crevices with blood. The death angel is let loose. And this death angel has a very specific assignment. The death angel's assignment is to come through Egypt and to kill every firstborn male and firstborn animal. Talk about specifics. Not just the firstborn male in the family, but the firstborn animal? Specific. This is where deconstructionists and those that have stepped back from the faith have a hard time with the Old Testament. They cannot understand how a loving God could be so bloody, could be so violent as they describe him. Not understanding the full context of what God had to do throughout humanity to get to Jesus. The corruption that he had to navigate through, the perversion that he had to navigate through, the disobedience that he had to navigate through, the rebellion that he had to navigate through, and, and always, always people distance themselves from God and from Jesus when their finite minds cannot comprehend the infinite nature of his wisdom. The death angel is coming through. And this death angel is on an assignment to kill the firstborn male in Egypt and the firstborn animal. And the only thing that's keeping the children of Israel safe is not the fact that they love God. It's not the fact that they're Hebrew by blood. It's not the fact that they can trace their bloodline back to the 12 tribes of Israel. Has nothing to do that they can claim Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as their forefathers. No, there's one thing keeping them out of the same situation that the Egyptians are in. And it has nothing to do with their affiliation and everything to do with their obedience. I, I, I just need to tell people that grew up in church your whole life that you're not safe because you grew up in church your whole life. What sets you apart is not the fact that you gave your life to Jesus when you was nine years old and you have never drank nor chewed or hang out with those that do. It has nothing to do with the fact that, that, that you were never promiscuous and that you were a virgin until you were married and, 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 and that, that, that you led a Bible study and led a thousand people to Jesus before you graduated from college. Has nothing to do with your works and everything to do with his blood. That death angel started coming through Egypt and he would stop at a house 
And where there was no blood came cries and tears. He moved on to the next house. And where there was no blood came cries and tears. He moved on to the next house and he saw blood on the doorpost. Scripture says he passed over. Which means the people inside had no idea when it happened. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but you have no idea the stuff that's passed over you because of the blood. I don't know who I'm talking to. You have no idea the stuff that you have missed because of his blood. You have no idea how many times you could have died if it was not for his blood. You have no idea how many times your life could have been ended if it had not been for the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. That thing was coming through. That thing was coming through. He was coming through. And the alarm clock to the children of Israel's freedom was the wailing of the Egyptians. They heard cries that they could not contextualize because what was happening to them is not what was happening to, to the others. It, isn't it amazing that you could be in the same exact situation as somebody, but you have a relationship with Jesus, and because you have a relationship with Jesus, you have a peace that you cannot even describe to them. Both of y'all could have been laid off from the job, and they are now literally stressing and can't not sleep, and you went to bed, not even know how you're going to pay mortgage next month, but you knew that your provision was never in the check that came from that company. You knew that Jehovah Jireh has always been my provision, and it has nothing to do with my job and everything to do with my God. The blood, the blood changed the trajectory of their life. 430 years of taking an ale. And then in one day, blood shows up. Not a week. Not a few months, we gotta let it kick in, you know, we gotta let the blood rub it in real good. It'll, work, it'll start working. Take this medication twice a day for 12 months and that lump should leave. One day, one application. Ooh, God, I wish I could preach this thing like I hear it. One application that they didn't plead for, one application that they did not beg for. One application was effective. They didn't have to go back there every hour, go back and put some more blood up. Once was enough. That's why he didn't need to be crucified twice. Because once was enough. This is why as believers, we don't have to plead the blood. Because he gave it before you knew to plead for it. I'm trying to help some churchy people in the room. We need to plead the blood of Jesus. No, you don't. He shed it before you knew to ask for it. Use the blood. You ain't got to please it. Just use it. He, they, 
put that blood up. And when they put that blood up, the score changed. One act. And the whole score changed. 430 years of taking L's. Then the score changed. And when the score changed, it wasn't tied. When the scoreboard changed, it put them up. As soon as that blood went up, they were no longer losing. They were winning. I, let me just tell you this real quick, and then I got to go. Let me tell you how they won. All of Egypt, after that night, was so ready to get rid of the children of Israel that they went to their house and was like, here is all my jewelry. Who I was about to say something so messy. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to say it at home. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Uh, he said, here, they said, here's all of our jewelry. Just please leave. Here's all of our garments. Just please leave. Hey, I just emptied my bank account. Please leave. Uh, I, I, just, I just went to my safety deposit box. This is everything in it. Please leave. The children of Israel left with the gross national product of Egypt on their backs. They was walking out like this. Not because they were, they were, they were worn down with bondage. They were worn down with wealth. What had been laid up for the unrighteous instantaneously got transferred to the righteous. And they literally walked out. This is why they needed a pillar of day and, a, and, and uh, uh, I'm sorry, a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night because they were slow walking. The reason why they was, they was able to make that golden calf just like that in the wilderness because they had all that gold. Where do you think it came from? <laughs> Slaves ain't got no gold. They said, please take all of this and leave. Why? Because the score had changed. So, so let, me, let me give you the, the, the reason why this sermon had to be called scoreboard. Because as I was reading Exodus 12, the only thing that kept reverberating in my spirit was scoreboard. And I could not for the life of me figure out why. And the Holy Spirit was like, you know all them games you've watched where, where the home team is getting beat by the visiting team and the home team is trying to taunt the visiting team and pep up their home team for the win. But, but there's, also, there's always a, 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 a traveling group that goes with the visitors. And, and even though uh, uh, the home team outnumbers the people that are visiting that arena or, or, or that stadium or that court, they can be loud. And whenever the home team is trying to rally their, their players to, to come on, man, y'all can do this, the visiting team throws out a little reminder of what's really going on. 
scoreboard. So I heard it like 12 times in my spirit, so I'm like, I got to look it up. That's me. So thanks to the Urban Dictionary, <laughs> here is your definition for scoreboard. A technique for ending an argument about numbers. Obviously, the scoreboard would truly reflect who is winning, regardless of what the other party is saying. Ooh, I could preach that. I don't care what the devil is telling. Let me just go ahead. I don't care what the enemy's trying to tell you right now. A scoreboard suggests that all that is really relevant are the cold, hard numbers. If you have a scoreboard, then the facts, numbers, are on your side, and you can end the argument by just pointing out to the other person to look at the scoreboard. I don't know who this message is for, but I need to tell somebody that the moment you put the blood up, the game changed. The moment you put the blood up, the score changed. The moment you put the blood up, the losing streak was snapped. The moment you put the blood up, hey, the blood, the blood, the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary, it will never lose its power. So when the enemy starts coming to you with lies, you need to say, scoreboard. When he starts bringing up your past, you need to remind him. The moment he starts trying to say, you'll never break that generational curse. The moment he tries to say, you're not going to get that breakthrough. The moment he tries to say, you'll never get out of this situation. I need a thousand people to just say, score for my family, check the score. For my legacy, check the score. For my finances, check the score. For my marriage, check the score. For my children, check. You walk different after you see the score. You talk different after you see the score. You do things differently after you see the score. When you start winning, you stop walking with your head down and you walk with your head up. Touch three people and say, the score has changed. The score has changed. I know that's real churchy to do. You don't want to touch nobody. We just came out of COVID, but the score has changed. The score has changed. The score has changed. My whole life is being changed because the score has changed. The whole score is changing because the blood has changed it. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. The blood. Mm. Not my might. The blood. Not by power, the blood. Not by my devotion time, the blood. Not by how much I listen to worship music, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. And my testimony. My testimony, not yours, 
I don't know what you went through. Don't have to be the same as mine. There's only two testimonies. You boil down every testimony to the very last compound. Here's what you'll find. Either God saved you from something or he saved you through something. That's the only two testimonies there is. The subcategories are endless. But he either saved you from something or he saved you through something. God saved me through being sexually abused. He saved me through having low self-esteem. He saved me through feeling like that I was a nobody. He saved me through being a people pleaser and having fear of rejection. He saved me through. That story is never going to change, and I'm never going to stop talking about it. Because the only reason I've been winning for the last 26 years of my 47-year-old life is because I know what the score is. On my good days, I know what the score is. On my bad days, I know what the score is. When I'm up, I know what the score is. When I feel down, I know what the score is. When everything's going great, I know what the score is. When I have no money in the bank, I know what the score is. I know where my hope come from. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know. I'm trying to stop. I know. I'm in a perpetual winning season. And y'all excuse my bravado right now, but this is how you feel when you know you winning. You can look hell in the face and say, I don't care what you do. I don't care what direction you come from. I don't care what demonic forces you bring. I'm not coming up against you. You got to deal with my daddy and my daddy got blood. I don't know. Crips got the blood. The blood's got the blood. Essays need the blood. This is going to be that series, fam. This is that series, fam. That, this, that series, fam. That's how I'm coming back. This is what we about to do. All fall, we about to win. Care what we going through, fam. We about to win. Oh. Well, all right. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> I literally, it's off of me. It's gone. So I don't move past what he does. So that's all. That, okay. All right. Bow your heads. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. You go win. You go win. You about to win. You about to win. Oh God, take back, go You go win. You didn't go through all that hell to lose. You didn't go through all that trouble just to die on the side of the road. You are gonna win.
I felt a shift in that. I don't know who this is for, but I'm telling you, you about to win. And you're not about to win for a minute. You about to go on a winning streak. Hear me, you're about to go on a winning streak. And this streak is gonna go past your entire life. It's gonna hit your kids, and your kids, and your kids' kids, and your kids' kids' kids, and your kid. I don't know who I'm talking to. Okay. Lord Jesus. It 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 uh it just occurred to me. It just occurred to me that somebody's calendar just changed. I don't know who you are, but Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I know August just started, but Happy New Year. Remain standing. <laughs> this is, listen, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't manufacture this. I can't make this happen. This is when the Holy Spirit just wants to put his seal of approval on what he's saying. I, I, I just feel like After you get this revelation, you're, you're never going to look at your life as a loss. You're never going to look at yourself as a loser. Because the scoreboard says, Satan got this much, we got blood. Ooh, Ooh that's so good. That's so good. You know why? Because Satan could try to count. Well, you did that, and you did that, and remember you did that, and your kids did that, and you thought you were being so good, but then this happened, and then that happened, and they misunderstood you, then you got fired, and so this is on your record, and then remember you went to jail, oh, you went to prison, you were, he could, he, he, he could do all of that, right? And he could count all that up, right? 430 years, you was in bondage for 430 years. How many days had you been free? You know what, Satan, I can't see the number. I'm trying to look for the number, but the only thing I can see is blood. The blood, the blood. 
Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.